Hey, Task Talks listeners. A lot of students struggle with reading, but it's hard to know exactly where to target interventions. The FAR is designed to solve this. This comprehensive assessment of reading is unique because it helps you determine the specific subtype of dyslexia and then formulate better interventions. A screening form is also offered, which can be administered remotely, and you can score both forms quickly online via PAR iConnect. Learn more at parinc.com backslash F-A-R or contact your PAR assessment consultant, Theo Miron at T-M-I-R-O-N at parinc.com. Welcome back to the Task Talks podcast, <laughs> the one and only podcast that's affiliated with Task. Um, today, we are sponsored by Adult Diapers because we know at school sites, we don't always have time to go. <laughs> uh, I am the host, Chris, <laughs> and uh, with me as always is my great panel, uh, Kia, Megan, and Brooke, and we have a very special guest today, um, Susanna Knight. How are you guys doing today? Hi, good. You guys doing all right? All right. <laughs> Doing good, doing good. Yeah, doing good, great. Good. How's everybody been? Been good. It's been a nice, I've had spring break this week, so it's been a good week. Yeah, making That's things good. Work. That's good. <laughs> um, so before we get to our official topic of today, I do want to kind of do a quick event. I know nobody else probably cares way out of left field here, but NFL free agency. I don't know if Bill Belichick sent out a call to all Patriots fans to get their stimulus check so he could sign everybody under the sun, but it's been very annoying because on one of my teams, I have a dynasty team. I know guys, we're going way off topic, but that's how to let it out. I have a dynasty team and I have John U. Smith and Hunter Henry on there. So I thought it was going to be great because I have them on two different teams and now they're both on the same team, which means I need to get one off my team. And it's just very annoying. I've had to like struggle with this for weeks now. But besides that, <laughs> um, we can kind of move into it. So today we are going to be talking about social emotional learning. I think it's a big topic in our field and stuff that I don't think it's talked about enough. Um, and we really, we really wanted Susanna on this episode so that we can kind of talk about what she's doing in her district. And it's amazing. Um, but first, I guess I want to talk about what are you guys doing or seeing or kind of not doing, I guess, at least in my district as a whole, we're not doing a whole lot. So it's kind of just left up to the individuals. Most of my stuff is done in counseling, right? And it's just kind of as, as it goes type of thing. And you just kind of, and it was like any type of counseling, you kind of just improvise it as you go and kind of work on stuff through there. Um, but I kind of want to hear what, what about you guys? I felt very accusatory, Anybody Chris. You're like, what are, what are you yeah. as individuals not doing? I know, I know. <laughs> As I said it, How I'm like, well, failing your yet. students. <laughs> Megan, what are you doing? What are you not doing, Megan? <laughs> well, it is hard because I'm an early childhood. So I'm more of like a whole district go around to preschools and um, I have more of a testing role. But as a whole, my district is trying to build a culture around SEL through curriculum and instruction, policies and practices, and um, connecting with families as well. And so they have started, I believe this year, um, but I could be wrong, they started 30 minute lessons in the morning for elementary school through second step. Um, and then in middle school, um, I'm not sure what curriculum they're using there, I cannot remember that, but they are also starting it in middle school. And then they are 
starting to develop and create a curriculum for high school. So they haven't yet started in high school, but they do have trainings for parents about SEL uh, that they um, put out in video as well on their website. And so that's really great to see that they're doing that. And they are requiring all staff to have at least two hour trainings in SEL as well, so that they can start to develop those um, skills into their lesson plans. So they are starting to work on it. Um, when I go into classrooms though, I don't see it embedded in curriculum that I know they want it to be. Um, so we're headed that direction, but not quite there yet, but we um, are starting. I get well, stop paying attention to kids when they turn like 10. I like that. She's like, here's what we do in elementary. She's like middle school. Like I kind of know high school, whatever. Like, yes, I feel like they, I think they're doing sick. I think I said this, but second step in elementary. And so I feel like they just came up with better plans there. And for high school, they're just like, ah, oh, how do we get them involved or to buy into these lesson plans? It's hard. It is hard for the middle school. It's harder. And high school definitely I mean, they're kind of set in their ways, many of them. And, you know, they don't, they see it as just like childish and come up with something that they would really take in and use in their lives for sure. So can we go I backwards? think high school people see it as like a, they're like, and I say this with, with all the love in the world, I'm married to a high school teacher. Uh, but yeah, they're like, this is rainbows and unicorns. Like get this, let's get this crap out of here. I think is a lot of their attitude sometimes. Um, so yeah, I agree. <laughs> they, they struggle with connecting it to high school. Yeah. Can we go backwards a little bit and maybe just kind of define um, what SEL is and, and kind of where the current state is on SEL? I mean, I feel like, especially in Texas, we tend to, school systems tend to kind of latch on to certain concepts and certain, I mean, you know, whether it was restorative practices or circles, where are we on SEL statewide? I think a lot of it what I see both in doing the trainings and in going to, to sessions and in listening to other people, um, a lot of pe the people have really honed in around the, that castle framework. So the collaborative for academic and social and emotional learning um, seems to be the most common piece that I see. It's not the only framework for thinking about SEL, but I think it's the one I see the most in my opinion. And so looking at castle, you know, you have those five major domains that they talk about of self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making. And then they talk about the different implementation pieces. They talk about the classroom. They talk about school-wide. They talk about your, your families and your, your making those family school collaborations. And then they talk about working in communities. Uh, that's what I'm ex I see as I'm exposed to. Does anyone else have a different framework that they've run across? No. no I've, I've just been exposed to Castle the castle framework and what helped um, you're talking about like as a statewide Brooke I know what really helped was that house bill that came out in the fall of 2019 you know what is it house bill four four I have the number in my head um, where now you know they're requiring districts to have that in their curriculum and you can see in their house bill it also kind of follows the castle framework also as to what they want districts to be to have that in their, you know, what's available for their students. So, I mean, I think the state is trying. Um, obviously, it's it's going to take a while for everybody to catch on. And I don't know if they're expecting everybody to do it the same way, but you know, I think it's, it's a start. Do we have techs or TEAK standards regarding SEL yet? That was a bill in 20, the 2019 session. It did not ultimately end up passing. But I do believe that's a big advocacy piece from um, groups like SEL for Texas, 
um, and other groups who want to advance social emotional learning, um, you do see uh, the push for curriculum standards related to social emotional learning as not currently the law in the state of the time now though. So what about screeners, universal screening? And see, we are actually, it's funny that you bring that because we are working with our district. They're redoing like the MTSS uh, piece of our district. And when also we're looking at the behavior and part of what we're helping them with right now is some SEL screenings just to have for students. And so not only look at the academics, but look at the SEL. And so I know we have talked about, there is the, uh, for example, SSIS SEL. And that one has like a progress monitoring and screening. And it actually also provides like lessons and videos and trainings for the teachers. And that's under like Review 360. You can tell we've been doing this research the past three weeks because it's super <laughs> fresh in my mind. Um, and there's also like the BASC has a BASC BASC. And it's another one for social emotional that is embedded in that. I mean, there's some out there, not a whole lot really. I don't think so. But I think that that SSIS SEL is a new one. Um, and I think it came about, there used to be the SSIS uh, for social skills. And I think they now twisted it to have that SEL component to it. And so I think they're trying to get that out there. And, you know, so at least like for us, now that you say that screening, we're trying to also add that into our district, RTI kind of tracking our students to see which ones would need to go a certain way, which ones should the counselors kind of do group with and which ones should we kind of move a step up above and kind of, um, but I think it is important. It's a lot of very important to have something like that. I think every district should if they don't, you know, just to try. Now, I know WPS is, so uh, some of y'all may be familiar with Tom, with Dr. Thomas Shanding. He's a former task president, and uh, I believe he has um, normed a screener um, that WPS should be publishing pretty soon. So, and I don't, I can't recall the exact, the Shanding, the Celsi is what it is. It's the... Uh, the the Celsi? Yeah, the Celsi. The um, <laughs> So at least that's what it was last I heard. I don't know if, if, yeah. it's, if it's changed. And do you know, you don't know when it's going to be published or anything? No, I could probably, um, I can probably get an update on that though from yeah. him soon. I know WPS also has the rise. Um, it's more of an evaluation tool, I think, than a screener. Um, the risk inventory and strengths evaluation, it's one of the pushes towards shifting away from kind of the deficit model um, pieces that we see so much. The other one is the University of Maryland has a um, collaborative um, resource called the Shape System, um, which has a lot of great resources, many of them free. And that includes um, a screening and assessment library. So they've gone through and they've, um, you have to sign up for an account, which is free. But when you look at it, they have uh, information on all these different assessment tools and screening tools related to areas of social emotional learning also covers like behavior and they have reviews on general ones that are more broadband. And then they have some that are specific to things like school climate or um, anxiety, depression, things like that. So the, the shape system. So, so how do you, how do you begin to differentiate or discriminate between what we might classically refer to as social skills versus social emotional learning type constructs? I, I would think that one of the biggest things because I think it ultimately some of the social skills do tie into more like at the end but I think one of the biggest things is the emotional piece is the students being able to 
you know, understand their emotions, understand, you know, just go through the process of learning about emotions and how to identify them and how to control them. And I think that's one big piece is the emotional piece, because once they get that and once they're able to work that on themselves, then they can just kind of portray that to when it comes to interacting with other students and, you know, social skills and problem solving and those kind of things. But I think that's where we sometimes, I think back in the day, it would be skipped. You know, we would straight jump to like social skills and forget about, does he even know some of the basic emotion things? And yeah. You know, so I think that to me personally is like one of the things that differentiates more that self, you know, kind of like the castle has the self-awareness, self-management, because, you know, they say you can't pour from an empty cup. So if you're not getting that within you, then your social skills that go out to those others around you then are obviously going to be lacking too. Yeah. I was going to say like almost the same thing you're saying is taking away the script and actually understanding why you're saying these things and understanding what somebody else is maybe thinking, right? Like you're saying the emotional part of it. I may know what to say in a situation, but do I understand why I need to say it? Is that kind of what you're talking about, Susanna? Yeah, and I guess that kind of, from our per point, maybe that throws in that empathy as in you know what the person is feeling because you have felt it or you know how it is and therefore you know kind of what you got to say and it makes more sense to you, it's relatable. It's not right. just, oh, when somebody's hurt, you say, hey, how can I help you? But you're like, think about a time when you got hurt. What made you feel better when somebody came and approached you and asked you, hey, can I help you? What can I do for you? And so mm -hmm. it's kind of making that connection between the emotional within and then the social, you know, just those around you to kind of make it like a whole community, you know, effort and just everybody is in this together. So. Right. I, think, I think the other thing, Brooke, is just the difference in evidence and research base. Um, I know when we look at some of probably what most of us had when it came to things like social skills or character education, you know, the programs that we were exposed to when we were in school, um, where they talked about, you know, integrity and honesty and yada, yada, yada. Those programs don't really have, to my knowledge, um, a high quality base of evidence um, when it comes to their efficacy on outcomes. And that's not the case with social emotional learning. In fact, that's kind of where I started with SEL. And when I first got to expose to it was through things like the Durlach study, um, which is frequently cited for the case for SEL, because this was a research project where a short-term um, SEL intervention program created huge gains in students in their behavior, in their emotional management, in their symptoms related to depression, anxiety, and they scored better academically on standardized assessments than kids who did not re receive that intervention. And they did better academically than kids who got intensive academic intervention instead of the SEL. So this was a huge study. And like, it's one I run around talking about and, and no one ever cares about because I'm like, look at this research. And they're like, I don't yeah. care. And I'm like, no, research. Some people are like, oh, well, this is just repackaged character education or it's just repackaged social skills. It's not because we have this body of evidence that show when we do these kinds of explicit pieces, looking at these components, we see meaningful impacts on all the things we care about when it comes to working with our students. I was almost wondering too, let's hear your guys' opinions on this, maybe why there's never as much attention on SEL as other things is because as a school psychologist, our main jobs tend to be like assessment and things like that, which a lot of our P 
people focus on. Do you think that plays a part in the lack of attention given to SEL? I, I mean, think that's, I mean, I think that's a huge piece and I think we could really kind of turn our attention towards Susanna right now. Recently, there was a, a news article in, or there was an article in a newspaper about a local uh, a, a Texas school district and it kind of referred to school psychologists as gatekeepers. Um, special ed gatekeepers. And I think some of us took offense to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and more recently, there's been the conversation, at least nationally, about expanding the role of the school psychologist to encompass and to become broader. And, and so I think it's fascinating how, you know, how I think we could hear Susanna's testimony, you know, in a sense of how she has been able to navigate the systemic change so that her role could be expanded from that beyond the special education e- evaluator into, and maybe we can hear a little bit about what Susanna's doing in, in her district. Thank you, Brooke. You know, the part of, yes, like in many of the districts that I have worked with, my role has mainly been, you know, evaluation. Um, and that's actually kind of what triggered in my head, you know, we would, the, when evaluating a lot of like fourth graders and fifth graders, we, I personally would see a lot of them had is the emotion. And so the behaviors would come out, the, um, all this, you know, the teacher observations would be, you know, this is happening. He's having these behaviors. He is throwing tantrums. He is, and it was all, it seemed to me emotionally based. I was like, well, life gets hard in fourth and fifth grade. I mean, you have so many things going on right now. Um, you know, they got friendship and they're expected to be more independent in that year. And then the fifth graders are going to go to sixth grade next year. And it was like, has any, you know, for us and not even like our things, like the emotional piece, we didn't get explicitly taught those, I think when we were little, but there was not all that society had right now, you know, um, social media, all, all the expectations that they have now, cell phones, everything. And so I was like, we got to in my head, it was like, we got to go back. Like they're getting to fourth and fifth grader and they're not able to handle all that life is given them, you know, situations. Cause sadly, you know, families have rough situations. And so, um, and that's what me, what triggered, I was like, okay, we got to go back to, to younger years. Let's start kindergarten first and let's see what can we do? How can we approach that social emotional and start working with them on, Hey, it's okay to have emotions. Hey, life is going to be hard. Um, but here's what you can do about it. Here's how you can work it through. And that's what to me started um, just triggering the, the, the SEL piece and going to my director and being like, I, I think we got to do something different. I, it's totally, you know, out of what we've been doing, but we got to try something. We got to, um, and so that's kind of what started my idea at the district that I am right now is because I had seen it in three, four different districts. And when I got here, something I was like, OK, I've seen it and all my districts have been in different areas in Texas. And so I was like, it's a, you know, our students, it's not just in one area of Texas for this one, but everybody struggles with this. And so and if we don't do anything, then it's just going to keep going. And for us, it's just more evaluations that we know don't qualify because it's it's environmental it's something else and so it was to me that's kind of how it started yeah and you want to kind of maybe walk us through your program or just kind of talk about the general basics of it or something 
Yeah. Um, so right now we have uh, pre-K through fifth graders. Again, we're trying to brainstorm middle school. And I know Chris asked about this last time. He's like, middle school, I was like, I don't know. We're not quite there yet because <laughs> yeah. they're hard. Um, I do know, you know, and I've tried different things just talking about middle school um, because students on the spectrum are my passion. And I know our high functioning students on the spectrum struggle the most in middle school. So I'm always trying to push like social skills and things. I'm having like the pals come to the middle school because I'm like, they need that, but we're not quite there with the middle school uh, program yet. Um, so right now, like I said, we do pre-K through five. And basically what we have done is, um, and I say we, cause I didn't do this by myself. I had my, um, one of my other LSSP coworkers, um, one of my behavior specialists. And then we approached our, um, his name is Mr. Arndt. He is the audio and visual director for district. And so we went to him and we're like, hey, we have an idea to run by you. We want to record uh, videos about SEL. Um, you know, we have, so sixth grade levels and we figure, you know, kindergartens are one cognitive level, first, second are at another level and then third and fifth grade are another level. So we want to create, I think it was over a hundred videos that we've done for all of those. Um, and so each video, for example, we, and we follow the castle framework. And so we looked at, okay, self-awareness, what, what do we want to address with this? Kind of what we talked about emotions and going through all this emotions. Let's talk about happy and mad and it just going down to, to very basic, um, and you could see it that a lot of the kids needed that because sometimes we were like, what's another word for mad? And they would just like stare at you. And so we were like, okay, angry, you know, upset and talking about, let's hear this word. This is going to be part of our vocabulary. And so, you know, just going to emotions, how do we, what do we feel? How do we recognize them? What can we do? Um, and then we went into, um, you know, ways to interact with other students and just um, and I can go into the details. And so each lesson we have is in a PowerPoint, basically, and only our teachers, like we share the link with them and they have access to it in our Google Drive. And so each PowerPoint consists of a lesson and generally they're like three, five lessons, three, five minutes of a lesson. So we talk about a topic and then generally we would do like an activity or like a role play example, me and the other coworker, kind of to help the teacher understand what we are wanting them to do afterwards because then another slide would have scenarios that we would want them to work through that are related to the topic that we were talking about like if we're talking about uh, apologizing and so you know we talk we would have them bring the students up and kind of work through how do you apologize you know you say i'm sorry but what else hey i'm sorry i knocked down your milk at lunch um what can i do for you and that also it's come came to us because you know, they tell you do this, do that. This is what you say, but unless you practice it, it doesn't come natural, you know? And to me, it happened like even when I was starting in my field, I was like, okay, I know my teacher said to do this, but it just feels so weird to do this. And so, but the more you do it, it becomes natural. So we have a lesson, we have like practice opportunities. Um, we also embedded like topic discussion questions. And so things like, for example, for fourth and fifth graders questions like, would you rather be accepted by who you are or who people think you are? You know, and just kind of start talking, you know, different conversations. Hey, let's talk about things. Or remember a time when somebody was very patient with you and you were having a hard time, how did that make you feel? And just kind of 
I think conversations that not everybody has always um, and just kind of opening those, hey, this, our classroom is a safe place. We can talk about these things. We can discuss this. Um, and so we have different topic questions. We also added um, like a quote. Um, and then I would always have, and it's, I'm very detail oriented. So all of them like took me time because then I would start looking at something and then we'd go into something else. Um, so like a quote about, let's say waiting, things don't always happen right away in life. And I think a lot of our students have a hard time with that because they want everything to happen right now. You know, they're used to instant gratification and it's like, mm, no. And we would tell them like in the videos, like things are not always gonna happen the way you want them. Things are not gonna happen when you want them and you're gonna have to be okay with that. Um, so we'd have a quote, like, you know, you never eat the fruit from the plant that you see right away. I can't remember what the quote is right now. Just to kind of get more thoughts and conversations and hey, let's reflect on this. What does that mean? Um, and then at the end, we would have like activities. So I always try to find like three, four activities for each topic. If it's like problem solving or uh, apologizing or emotions, or even just, you know, when we talk about the little kids, helping them focus on the teacher in the class, getting them prepped to learn. And so there's like group activities. There were like um, worksheets that we created. There were like just different kind of things to be able to get the class to work together or kids to work together. Um, they, I would always find a book, try to find like a book that relates to that topic. Um, I think for example, when talk about others inviting to play or something, I thought about like Mo Willems and his pagan elephant book and those yeah. things, they could get a kick out of that. Um, and then there was always like another video, like, you know, YouTube, thank you, YouTube. Um, <laughs> That's in the street and cookie, you know, cookie monster has to share his cookie. And so we took a lot of this in the street for the little ones, but then there were also some cool ones for younger kids um, or a little bit older kids. Um, there was one that it's on the streets and they're asking people to give compliments or I think maybe some of us have seen it or like sit in a ball pit and make a friend, something like that. And so yeah. it was just like, you know, how do you start a conversation with somebody else? Or, you know, the, the compliment one um, was one that really triggered me because I was in one of the hallways one day and one of the teachers came to me and said, hey, can you come by my classroom after you're done? And I said, sure. So, and I said, what, what, what happened? And she goes, well, one of my little girls got a haircut and the other kids were making fun of her. And so I was like, oh no, she's the And so they're also, <laughs> but so I went in the classroom and we talked about, you know, you just being nice to your friends and, you know, complimenting. And in that moment, I was like, okay, here's the activity that we're going to do. We're going to line up and we're all going to share a compliment. And that was very hard for, yeah. for them to think of a positive thing to say to somebody else. Um, and that's actually one of our activities, you know, it's called like the compliment circle where everybody gets a chance in the circle and then they rotate and kind of practice saying a compliment. But there's rules like the compliment can't be anything physical. It can be, oh, you have nice hair. No, it has to be something that has to be within the person. And so that to me, it was like, it's just little things that I kept noticing. And one day I was just, we, we got addresses. So that's basically what our lessons are. They have a video, they have questions, they have activities, they have songs, all related to the same topic that week um, for teachers to kind of also added some of them have like breathing stories so it's like a two-minute breathing stories because we've, we've talked to them hey when you guys get from recess from lunch when everybody's just kind of going crazy 
just play that in your classroom and it's kind of working that mindfulness and, and tone our emotions down because we've also thrown in those terms, mindfulness, growth mindset, um, empathy, just kind of let's, um, again, let's make those part of our everyday, um, you know, and then during many of our videos, we mentioned, because some of them are home virtual, they come back, you know, they got situations. We talk about how, hey, teach this to your brother and your sister, you know, help them work with this for you. And just to, again, we want to get that message across to many as we can. So it's, uh, I don't know if that kind of gave the idea. I know I get Chris, Chris jokes. He's like, <laughs> you just get excited. And you just keep going. And I yeah. do. <laughs> You can hear your passion, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to go back. I wanted to go back to that teacher going up to you and asking about um, that situation with the compliments. And did you get that? Do you see that a lot? Teachers going up to you and that teacher buy-in um, where they want inform more information from you since they're the ones kind of um, watching the videos with the students and um, doing the lessons with them. Do you see that buy-in? Yes, I think they're, they're lately, you know, they're kind of buying more as to when they see us in the hallways. Um, they kind of ask us about sorting activities or just any tips or strategies to do for, for a student in their class. So they, I think they are feeling more comfortable coming to us and, um, and just kind of seeing, you know, we always send emails frequently, like, hey, we're here to support, you know, like a motivation thing, just kind of always keeping the door open. For me, at least it's very important that they know we're not just the person that pops into the school and then steps away and, and that's it. Um, we want them to feel like we're part of your school. We are here for you and for the students. And so, you know, we'll brainstorm, we'll come up with whatever we need to. And so yeah. I think they have comfortable with that. Um, I know something you told me about and I thought it was really interesting. Can you talk about how you had to pivot when COVID happened right I mean that kind of just threw everything through a loop correct yes because at first we were going into the classrooms and doing you know the lessons with with the kiddos and then once COVID came it was like okay what do we do now um you know how can we get to the ones that are at home how can we get to them all how can we and now that threw in obviously with more need like with more reason, there was a, a need for that SEL support um, because everything that's going on with COVID and homes and, you know, families. And so we, that's, I mean, we actually stopped for a while, like when COVID hit and everything, we, you know, we stopped and we were like, okay, what can we do? And to be honest, the idea came from my husband. He mentioned something like, well, why don't you guys record them? And I was like, huh, well, that's a thought. And so I went to my, um, my coworker, she's scared now every time I say, Hey, I have an idea. And she's like, well, what is she going to come up with? And so, and I said, what if we do the, you know, all the videos and the PowerPoints and everything. And she's like, you just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, we had to just kind of figure it and everything. And, um, we actually got to have our superintendent in one of the videos too. We did, a an activity like a calm down jar so we brought her in as a special guest and we worked on that so it was good to feel like we had that support also from from the district and do you feel like the students are benefiting from it i mean i, I feel like and i know they probably are but from your side of things do you feel like they are 
Um, I think they are. I mean, there's always going to be, you know, some that have certain situations, but I think they are. I mean, we've seen definitely like the common or daily referrals and office disciplines have decreased for sure. And so um, I think there's still, I think they can still benefit a whole lot more. There's always room for improvement as, as we kind of, you know, just finalize more things and whatnot, but I think they definitely are. And so. So in your district, do you, do you do counseling as well? I do some counseling. I currently don't have any on my load on my campus. Okay. And so, because yes. I guess my question would have been like, are you incorporating some of their program into your counseling? So it's more of a one-on-one -on -one type of session than more of a group session. Um, I wouldn't, like I said, I don't have a load right now of counseling, yeah. but I know like my other LCCs, um, you know, they always take stuff from our materials and they can incorporate in their groups. Same for um, our behavior specialists do social skills with some of their kiddos and some other ones does like a breakfast, uh, a lunch bunch. And so we're always sharing materials especially things that were talked about that week. We're like, hey, I know this week they're talking about this topic and she kind of brings it into their conversation and everything. So we try to make it where, you know, everybody approaches it. Like, you know, every adult that you, you're going to work with is going to support you with this. Because that's been another thing that we've always stressed to our students. Um, you know, they look at us as teachers or, you know, staff and that's it. But we want them to understand that we you know, we are adults and teachers, but we, we love them and we're here for them. You know, we're not just, um, you know, they can, we've actually had a situation where we did have a student come forward and share some information because she felt comfortable. And we had really stressed the fact of, you know, there's big emotions. You don't always have to deal with everything by yourself. Like, um, we can help you, you know, with big things. You don't have to be blowing up in the classroom, come talk to us. And so um, just the fact of, we're here for you and so um i don't know where my thought was going now so someone <laughs> Susanna, i know when you when you told me about kind of what you were doing and how your position was evolving a couple of years ago and you had kind of said that i think you had asked your director maybe to just to have one morning a week for you to work with these these younger kids on, on sel is that correct yes that's how yeah. we we started um, she allowed us to start with kindergarten. And so every day of the week, again, I pulled in my other LSSP and I said, hey, how would you like to do SEL with me? Um, we'll come up with a plan and we have three elementaries. And so what we would do is she would have one, I would have the other, and then the third one would split. And so every morning, um, and each of the elementaries had six classrooms, six kindergartens. And so they knew to pair each other up. And so they would go, one class would go into the other classroom. And so then we would come like Tuesday, Thursday, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we would go into their classroom. So Tuesday was two classrooms, Wednesday was another set of two classrooms, and Thursday was another pair. And we would work with them, um, you know, bring the materials, give them the hand sheets, um, do it that way. Just every morning we would go into their classroom. So that's kind of how we, we started. And so then the next year came and we continue that with the kindergartens and it was hard because then we also had our load and we had to get our work done um and sometimes morning made it hard because you knew we had to be like at 8 15 and so we were like man 
you know, sometimes like the dentist appointment, you have to take your kids to school. We're like, we have to pay that right team. But we kept it going. And then that year, then the first graders so that we had had the year before, then we started doing like book studies. And so we would pick a book um, sometimes like every other week and kind of go to the classroom and read it with them. Like, you know, the day the crayons quit, like, you know, so we talked about it and what does this mean? And the be kind book and, you know, little acts of kindness here and there. And so we tried to continue to, to spread it. So the ones that we had seen in kindergarten were not then just, you know, you see it one year and then you're done with it. We wanted to, hey, let's continue this. Kind of like you said, once they stop getting exposed to it, then they're, you know, it becomes old or, you know, they forget about it. And then spring, that's when COVID hit. And so we we stopped and we just had to be like, okay, now can, what can we do um, to to do this? And so that's when we had to pivot. So, so have you have you observed any kind of outcomes? Um, you know, maybe like a reduction in the number of referrals uh, for for one reason or another, or I mean, because I, I really, when I hear you talking about this, I really think about RTI, you know, that this is like SEL RTI in a, in a sense. Um, so have you, have you noticed anything to that, to that effect? Yes. I mean, we have seen the amount of referrals um, <clears throat> that have, you know, just office referrals and everything from one side and then just referrals like from our side of evaluations it's kind of those the ones that truly end up coming through to us you know it really might be a disability you know it really might be an emotional component to them and I remember we had I did a training this summer and they talked about you know your true like ED kids it's when none of the other behavior interventions or you know stuff has really being successful with them, those are the ones that might be a true disability. And so something like this has definitely helped build out some of those students. And like I said, we are, we're working with the, the district committee for the MTSS and we really kind of incorporated that and they really taking our word and our information as to, okay, when teachers come, we, we just created like a, um, we called it like an observation or a self-reflection um, for the SEL lessons, they have to complete that. They have to bring that to the RTI meetings and say, okay, what the lessons, which ones, you know, what have you seen in this lessons? What do you see? Just to kind of make sure like, hey, accountability, we're making sure that this is being addressed. Now we can move on to the second piece uh, or the tier two or the tier three. Um, but we are trying to, you know, our, our administrators and everything are trying to work with us to make sure like the SEL piece is, is a tier one. It's it's not, we call it like a non-negotiable. That's what we were calling in our meetings. That's a, just a non-negotiable. That's how it is. Um, and then now that we're talking about, you know, how I mentioned a little bit ago, the SEL screenings, we're trying to put that in there. So, okay, maybe those ones that fall through the tier one, what else, what additional can we do to address that emotional piece before they really get to us if they go that way to like a tier three or you know for referrals um does that is that kind of what you were asking brooke yeah yeah i was just um kind of seeing how it fits together with um you know with with what our traditional roles are in us in a sense um and i think this provides really good justification uh, to our administrators and to those decision makers of uh, the kind of services and practices that we can provide, which are traditionally not in our, you know, 
lane. Um, however, we are absolutely as school psychologists trained um, with this kind of with with these kind of skills. I heard a talk from Dr. Amanda Vander Hayden a while back at NASP, and one of the things she pushed on was the same idea, like talk about Chris or, or Brooke using those skills. And the example she gave, I keep I like that the metaphor was right now we're spending our time being the ambulance at the bottom of a cliff when we need to be the fence at the top of the cliff. Um, and that sounds like Susanna, a lot of what you're doing is putting those preventative proactive pieces in places with these lessons, with these tools that you're giving teachers that give them an opportunity to teach the skills and intervene early so that we don't have the office referrals, that we don't have those evaluation referrals. And we know that they've done good work on that kind of um, mitigating factors side. Yeah, that's, I think, definitely my idea, at least. That's how I wanted it to, to feel like. Um, and we've had some administrators that are definitely, you know, they've seen what we are willing to support the district and the students. And so, like, for example, our early childhood, um, we had planned it in the spring, you know, before everything happened, like, hey, we're going to do this parent, uh, parent nights, and we're going to talk about these things. And, you know, with COVID, it's been, it's, we've had to tweak it, but we have participated like in two of those, me and the behavior specialist at that campus. And the first one, we talked about SEL and kind of talk with the parents of the community, like this is what we're doing um, in the schools. This is what your, you know, your students are working on. This is what you might see them talk about when they come home, um, just to, because we also want parents to, you know, be involved. Um, you know, I know Megan talked about, you know, the parent trainings and everything. We're trying to hopefully get more that way, but, you know, kind of want, want to support parents as well, because it all also starts and continues at home. And now with COVID, I know, for example, our second parent nine was about COVID and trauma. And we talked about the development of the brain and how all this affects, you know, development of the brain and just kind of help parents understand the physical aspect of the brain and how it's all leading into what, you know, the COVID, the students in schools in a couple of years, you know, just whatever outcome would be, just kind of be helping them with that process too. Because it's all part, you know, try to do the parent teacher um, <clears throat> relationship for sure. Right. And how long have you been doing this, Susanna? The, the videos and stuff started this year. And so, okay. This, but how about the whole thing in general? When did you start? I guess. I, uh, 2018. Cause I know 2018. I, yeah, 2018. And okay. so, and then, so I guess, where do you see yourself with this program at like year 10? Do you have, have you thought that far ahead or? <laughs> I know you asked me that day and I was like, no, I'm not. Okay. That's, that's way too elaborate. I'm barely thinking about next week and making it through. <laughs> no, honestly, I just go date. I mean, I have the plan and um, I don't know. I, I just like seeing it. I like seeing the kids work on it. I like that the teachers are feeling comfortable, um, you know, hopefully being able to get back into the classrooms and help, you know, we, we kind of do everyone's like pop in surprises to some of the classrooms and, um, I don't know. That's where I am right now. Fair enough. Fair enough. What advice would you give um, LSSPs who are maybe at larger districts and who are struggling to expand that role outside of testing and outside of the tier three and who want to start doing those preventative interventions? Do you have any advice for a starting point for them? Even if you start with something small, it's a start. 
um and just just take the leap honestly um i was telling chris i this was a huge leap for me this is way out of my comfort zone um you know talking but it's it was worth it once we i saw the result it, it was totally worth it so just just take the leap if you succeed and something comes out of it great if you don't you know you can try another route um hey you tried you know it's better than not having tried at all and any small thing any small project any small plan that you put in place is going to be better than there being nothing at all and so i mean just talk with your i think you need a, a support from your um your co you know your co-workers you want to have them you know on your team too and definitely you know those who you work with and just kind of I was gonna say sell it, but it's not a matter of selling it. It's just making others understand the benefit of it. Um, and I had to do, you know, I, I researched a lot and the statistics on after schools and employment now and how it reduces behaviors and increases, you know, economic status for some of our students, you know, for, for the students. And so just kind of, because it's a long-term investment, honestly, you may not see it the first year, you may not, see the second year it takes a little bit so you know be brave take the leap um small steps are still steps and um just be patient um and so i don't know that's my take on it it's <laughs> a great way does anybody else have any other questions for Susanna? well i was gonna kind of round it this just came to me and i'm gonna throw it to megan um so put her on the spot a little bit but you know as we're sitting here talking i can't help but but think to see how SEL, the role of the school psychologist fits into the, the cultural responsiveness piece and the equity lens. So, I mean, Megan, this is like your passion. So mm -hmm. how, do, how do you see that um, tying into to our, our eyes, our, our hands of, of social justice? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing as she as she was talking about social justice just popped in my head. And it reminded me kind of of what I tell um, LSSPs who come to me and say, well, where do I start with a district who maybe isn't hasn't bought in yet? How do I sell it? Kind of like you mentioned, Susanna. Yeah. And I always tell them um, you have to show them the data. You have to show them the um, disparities in achievement. You have to show them the referrals, the discipline referrals, which you can all find online and get from your district. And I think pairing that with SEL and talking about how social emotional learning definitely helps reduce that, um, like Kia talked about um, in the studies that he mentioned earlier. And it is a social justice issue. Um, when we see that black and brown males specifically have the most discipline referrals um, in most school districts. And so I think um, kind of pairing those two and talking about that with your superintendent or your director and getting that conversation just going, like Susanna said, is the first step um, for working with equity issues and social emotional learning. Yeah, and it's like to say, it won't, it'll take a while. I remember the first step and they said, well, how about you start with one grade? And I was like, I'll take it. I'll start with kindergarten. I'll take it. Anything and, you know, basically I was like, I'll, I'll prove that this is worth it. And I think starting early, we've talked about that 
throughout, but starting early intervention is always best. And I think why we struggle with going into middle schools and doing this or going into high schools is because they haven't received this intervention and we're just popping in <laughs> and trying to give that to them. And so I think it's really great to start early so that those littles can kind of move up in your district and realize, I know they call you video lady, but oh, yeah. oh, we saw this, we saw this video lady in pre-K, <laughs> kinder. Oh, she's here again in first grade. And and then once they're in eighth grade, um, they remember. So I think that's yeah. great. <laughs> it is fun. I like, we like being the video lady. The grocery stores are like, hi, and they wave and they're all excited. And the parents are looking at me like, who are you? Why is my child so happy to see you in the shopping cart? And I'm like, hi, I'm Mrs. Knight. I'm the psychologist at your school. And and we and he's like, yeah, she taught me how to breathe and all this, you know. And so they get so excited about it. And we're like in the middle of like the store and, you know. And so that's, to me, that makes it super, super worth it. Like if I got to that one child where he's telling the mom, I learned about how to breathe and how to calm down and everything today at school, that's a day for me. And so. That's awesome. Well, speaking of people being put on the spot, uh, we do have some lightning questions for you, Susanna. We do this with all of our guests just to kind of get like quick little answers about you. So I'm going to let Megan kind of take it from here. Yeah. So these are just quick and fun. So don't, no need to stress, <laughs> but um, what are your You will be graded snacks? on them later though. Don't <laughs> yes. Yes. We, we might judge you on your top snacks. Oh, so <laughs> what are your top snacks? snacks? Uh, top snacks right now, original goldfish. <laughs> I agree. Those are great. <laughs> um, one of your all-time favorite movies. I I, I, I don't know. Uh, Any TV shows? That's okay. Uh, I used to love Friends. Um, still a fan of Friends. I don't know. I know now there's like a lot of Stickman's things with all these old shows and whatever, but you know. Friends is a classic, so. Good, <laughs> you're good. good <laughs> yes. Um, what is your coffee order if you drink coffee? <laughs> Anything super extra sweet. So right now I am at a caramel ribbon frappuccino. <laughs> or it was a pumpkin spice cold brew literally every day with an extra pump of vanilla. So anything sweet, I'll take it. I agree, Susanna, that pumpkin cold brew, right when it comes out, I'm in line at Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what is something um, kind of unusual or a fun fact about yourself? I don't know. I'm an introvert, honestly. So this this whole thing is just unusual for me to be doing. But <laughs> tell, <laughs> that's good. Tell where, tell where you grew up. Brooke, I did not grow up in Cuba. I grew up in Colombia. <laughs> he would always say that I was from Cuba. And so um, I guess that would be something. I mean, a lot of people, when they see me, they don't expect me to be Hispanic and have grown up in, a, you know, a South American country and English being my second language. And so um, it throws some people off. But, um, but yeah, I've been in the States for since 2003, so 18 years. And then last one, um, what sparks joy in your life? My kids. How many kids do you have? I have two. I have an eight-year-old daughter and then I have a four-year-old son. Ooh, I bet it's a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> before no, we started, Sus very good kids, so before we'd actually started, Susanna, we were, uh, we were talking about some fun little horror stories of having children with like sick kids and things like that, right? It's, it's miserable, no, right? <laughs> I don't know how, how people do more than two. I don't know if any of y'all have more than two. 
I just got the one, so I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I just got one. <laughs> She's a girl, yeah. And how old is she? She is four, four and a half, oh. actually. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Chris, Chris two, and I, right? I was warning Chris ahead. I was like, look, the road ahead. Uh, yeah. What to expect. <laughs> no, we we uh, we decided we were not going to be outnumbered, so we just have one, and uh, she's a uh, she's a uh, yeah. she's a sophomore <laughs> in college. So uh, yeah, we're we're done. Yeah, we don't want those school psych ratios, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Does anybody have any closing thoughts or anything else they want to talk about or anything? Th- thank you for doing this, Susanna. I think it's really cool when people. Um, add to their job description willingly um, to do something that they're passionate about. And I think it's really important because I know you're like every other LSSP who has a million evaluations to do and you have a lot of demands on your time for meetings. And so to take on something else because you think it's the right thing to do and you think it's going to benefit students is really cool. Um, And to do it in such a large fashion is really amazing. So I just want to say thank you for what sounds like a really awesome project that you've taken on. Yes. Thank you. I want to thank you guys for taking the time and Chris for the interview a couple of weeks ago and Brooke, obviously, your mom was known. Brooke has told me about this um, maybe like two or three years ago. He, he said, hey, can I share your name with the task? And I said, no, no. You <laughs> 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 finally caught me this time. <laughs> Got you. <laughs> Um, but thank you guys for, for everything and for, I guess, seeing the value of, of what we do, all of us every day and, and just SEL and everything. So. Well, and I, you know, I think one of the things that you're doing is, is you're embracing your community. You know, you're embedding yourself in your community and, and it shows and it, and it makes a difference. Well, on that note, we want to thank listening again. Don't forget to follow our uh, official TAS Facebook and Instagram accounts at TXASP. Uh, where you get all the up-to-date info on what we're doing. Um, And until next time, we thank you and make good choices.